Whiskey for the Ages is not sponsored or endorsed for any product or program mentioned in this show and receive no remuneration from their creators. everybody and a warm welcome to our whiskey for the ages podcast listeners i'm your host brian dawson tonight hannah's here and a big thanks to those of you tuning in for the first time and sitting around and waiting for us to get back and the lore is there hello guys hope you guys enjoy the show tonight we're in for a treat Yes, so several weeks back, we dug through our bunker, you guys may remember this, and we selected some of our unicorns, some of our dusties, and we'd posted a poll across a few of our social media page for you guys, our listeners, to pick the next whiskey for us to review. That's right. The top four vote getters included Knob Creek, 15 year, Little Book, Chapter 7 in retrospect, which in 2023 was the seventh whiskey of the year for Whiskey Advocate. Parker's Heritage, 2018 Orange Curacao, and Heaven Hill Heritage Collection, 2022-17 year. Old barrel proof. Yep, and the overwhelming choice by our listeners, you guys out there, with more than 54% of the vote... It's a lot. ...was the Heaven Hill Heritage Collection. The 2022 17-year-old barrel proof. Yeah, we heard you guys loud and clear. Okay, we want the he- the Heaven Hill, the Heritage Collection. So let's do this. Let's get started. All right. So Heaven Hill's master distiller, Max Shapira, said of this release, and this is coming from their press release of a year and a half ago, two years back. Right. We kind of want to get a foundation of what we're getting ourselves into. So this is a quote from the press release. For years we have been quietly aging some exquisite whiskeys, waiting to be introduced under a new portfolio collection. 1.9 million barrels are resting across six Rickhouse sites. Our master craftspeople have been keeping watchful eyes on a limited stock of special barrels. In total, 239 barrels were pulled from four rickhouses for this collection. Of those, 52 turned out to be casualty barrels. So what what is a casualty barrel? A casualty barrel was one that over the years they'd either become empty, there wasn't enough in it. Devil's Cut and Angel Share had their their way with it. Or they simply became off-taste. So of those 239 barrels, it turned out only 188 of them were ultimately blended and bottled for this edition. Although this mingling includes 19 and 20-year-old bourbons, this limited release is age-stated at the youngest or 17-year-old bourbon. 
And that's really customary whenever you see an age statement on uh, whiskey, whether uh, there's older whiskeys in there or not, they have to go by that youngest whiskey for their age statement. The Heaven Hill Heritage Collection is complementary to our more innovative counterpart, the Parker's Heritage Collection. Together, these offerings form the Heritage Collections. So the Heaven Hill Heritage Collection is going to be released each spring. It will be classic and traditional. It will be typically 15 years old or older. And the Parker's Heritage Collection will be released each fall. It will be innovative and experimental, typically eight years old or older. Which kind of sits at where their normal Elijah Craig small batch is, at around eight, 12 years in that range. So that's close there. I like that they have the teeter-totter of this is your classic, this is your staple product, this is pushing the envelope a little bit. I like that they're doing that. And you guys uh, recall that earlier we had mentioned that one of the choices we'd thrown up there was that Parker's Heritage that we've had in the bunker for quite a while from 2018, the Orange Curacao. We've had that up for a couple rounds here. I think we need to break that open and just start tasting it. <laughs> We're, we don't trust you guys to give it to us <laughs> anymore. We're just going to do it ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> So here's the vital stats on this 17-year-old Heritage Collection Barrel Proof. Okay. It's a straight bourbon, obviously from Heaven Hill. It's coming out of their distilled spirits plant, their DSP K1, the Bernheim Distillery. The mash bill is 78% corn, 12% malt barley, 10% rye. It had a barrel char of number three. It went into the barrel at 125 proof. And the barrels that were pulled for this are a blend from four of the distillery's six Rickhouse locations. Its age is 17 years, as I stated earlier. It's a blend of barrels. Uh, there are 28% of them were 20 years old, 44% were 19 years old, and 17-year-old barrels there was 28% of. It was bottled at 59.1% ABV or 118.2 proof and it was released in the spring of 2022. We picked our bottle up in the winter of 2022. So I looked at some prices to see where this bottle might be out there and frankly it's still available on some websites. According to Booze App, the fair price on it should be around $485. This is our most expensive bottle. Without question. That we have in our that we have in our bunker. A polling went out and uh, Boozap says the shelf price average across the country, if you can find it, would be $991. That's <laughs> and just I wish you guys could see Alora's face right now. She's shocked. It's pretty comical. And then there's yeah, a um, no. Yeah. Just no. Internet price. I looked up uh, three places uh, that actually had it in stock. One of them was Beverage Lovers Warehouse from February this this month. They've got it uh, for sale for twelve hundred and seventy five dollars. <laughs> 
Caskers, also from this past month, $1,477. And the most ridiculous one, Bottle Buzz has theirs for $1,900. I just... Oh, I don't really no. got a lot to say there. It's just, wow. Okay. I, I think what it is, it's considered a collectible bourbon. Yeah. 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 Anything in that price range is collectible. Yeah. So but, how much did we pay for it, though? Because we did not pay any of those numbers. No. When we bought this, we bought it at our local Idaho liquor store, and uh, we put out a fair price. Uh, well, two hundred and seventy-five dollars and ninety-five cents. So it still is like the most Fun expensive yeah. uh, product that we have in our bunker, but definitely not as much as even the fair price price is from booze app so we'll see I, you guys know me and my value conundrum discussions i talk about it in every podcast practically we'll see how this goes i'm trying to wrap my head around the heritage of it all and trying to incorporate that in my value assessment as well but we'll see we'll see Absolutely. How are we enjoying this? Well, we've got our pours made into Glen Cairns. Yep. Roughly about three and a half, four ounces. Girls, you have been, uh, you've been smelling this. You've been, yeah. you've been uh, testing it out. What do you think about this nose? I'll well, let Laura go first. Go ahead. So I wrote down a bunch of things. This is a very aromatic bourbon. Immediately, I actually got cranberries because a while back, I ended up choosing a wallflower scent, you you know, like one of those things that you hook up to the wall and it, you know, areas your room. And it was like a cranberry woods, and I was immediately reminded of that. So I put down cranberries, um, cinnamon, brown sugar, pepper, orange zest. I actually found a lot of that. Wheat, salted sunflower seeds, red cherries, charred wood, burnt caramel, and brown butter. Because there's kind of a savory sweetness about this. And then whenever I would take a, a break away from uh, smelling it, I'd get like a really, really, really just strong, almost like after nose or whatever you call it, of sourdough bread. It was a very sourdough remnant of just smelling this so bready yeasty kind of thing yeah but there is an element of like a tart sweetness that's covered in savory like notes if that makes sense i feel like i shouldn't have let you go first because i'm not going to have any of those fancy words <laughs> in my in my nose description here <laughs> however i will say that i agree that there's an acidity here I don't know if I want to go so far as to say it's a cranberry acidity, but I do get that acidity. I do agree that this is a very savory, sweet nose. Um, there is caramel here. There is cinnamon here. There's even, um, let me, like a roasted nut quality to it. There's something really, really deep about this nose, which I really like. The wood is there, um, not really getting too much on the fruit side of things, but since the depth is so beyond what I normally get, 
out of a whiskey nose. I'm okay with not having the fruit there. I know I'm the fruit person out of the bunch, but I'm actually really impressed with this nose. This is a really complex nose. There's a lot of layers here. There's a lot of different things that you can take from various flavor profiles, the sweet, the savory. I think there's a salted element to it. Um, maybe that's a salted caramel. So you really get a whole lot here. I'm impressed with the nose. Yeah, it's one thing I also got, and I just got it right now, is like chai spice. Because chai has cardamom, nutmeg, cinnamon, cloves, and I think another part. But combined, it is kind of that warm mm -hmm. and salty spice. Yeah. It, savory yeah because of the cardamom yeah and pepper yeah and i think furthermore you can definitely say that's a heaven hill nose a hundred percent that's a heaven hill nose it, uh, all over the place it's an elevated heaven hill nose but you know that you've got heaven hill in that glass i'm gonna throw out one word surprising i expected this to be woody to be over oaked. My gosh, it's 17 years old with some 18 and 19 year old product. 19 and 20 year old. 19 and 20 year old. Mostly 19 and 20 year old product. And this is not woody. No. To the degree. No. I, I, I've, I've had younger bourbons be more woody than this. Well, when we have the Elijah Craig 18, which we have had on. Um, Alora had it in one of our episodes that you know also a Heaven Hill product around the same age completely different nose. absolutely the the 18 year old is so much more mellow so much more wood forward so now I'm kind of thinking this is a proof thing because that 18 year old Elijah Craig is only 90 proof we're sitting here at what is the math? Nearly 120 proof. Right. So right. Th this is a proof thing. And what's surprising is, I take deep inhales. This is not singeing my nose no, hair at all. No, it isn't. And, and it's very depth. Yeah. And I wish that this was on video. The color of this is just amazing. I'm going to tell you, it's one of the best colors I've seen from a bourbon before. We're in the burnt amber yeah. range. I mean, it's dark. There's a lot of redness here. There's a lot of orangey tones. I mean, like, it just looks warm. It looks inviting. It, it just, it kind of reminds me of like a holly berry if you look <laughs> at it. Like, it, it just, it looks really pretty. It... As I go around the wheel in my head, you're right. I'm not getting a lot of the fruit components. You know, a lot of times I'm smelling uh, uh, blossoms and things like that. There are no blossoms here. No. There's no, there's no grassiness. There's, there's no hay-like structure. There's really not a lot of grain in this. I think there's a little bit. A, a Laura, little bit a of Laura, corn, maybe. Alora mentioned wheat. I can get behind wheat. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. soft. In like the bread sense, I can get the grain. Yeah. And then, like, if you take a really, really deep inhale and then just let whatever is there in your nose just 
take over once you like take a break, I get a lot of sourdough. Yeah. yeah. There's not much rye here, but then again, the uh, mash bill's only got 10% rye. So yeah. But there's a sweet yeah. element to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, to me, a, a sweet element, and like you girls are saying, the, uh, I don't know, that salted caramel. Yeah. You know, and I love your spice breakdown, Alora. The, the, That's pretty dead on, I, mean, I think. You're, the cardamom and cloves. Mm -hmm. The pepper. The pepper. But yet, it's not overpowering in any way. No. I mean, this is just plain surprising. Yeah. I'm, I'm That's why I say chai spice. I mean, I mean, you go into a coffee shop and you order like a chai latte. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm excited to give this an actual yeah. try. So I, yeah. I got to do a taste test yeah. here now. So all this dead air while they take sips. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to go back to the nuts that they were talking about. It's a soft nut. Um, I would say almost like a like a pecan in my mind. Okay, so I've had my first sip. Um, I'm surprising is again, I think an appropriate word here. Um, I'm trying to put my thoughts together because there's a this is a, the, the taste is just as complex as the nose. Already I can tell that from the first sip. The very front of the palate gets hit hard with the with spice, but it's like sweet spice. It's more of that kind of salted caramel. It's more of that cinnamon. It's more of that chai spice that Alora was talking about. And it lights up the tip of the tongue in a really, really big way. The proof is there. It's not an aggressive proof, though, like you'd get from other 120 proofs. Um, I'm just going to standardize it to say 120 proof. I know it's not exactly 120 proof, but that's what we're going to go with here. I, I like that it makes everything just instantly warm, instantly bursting. It, it just... I'm going to have a lot more to say about it as I take more sips. First sip, though, surprising, complex, and, and there's a full body feel. As you were talking, I'm holding it in my mouth the entire time. But that's what I do. Mm -hmm. My first sip, I just simply put it in the mouth and I hold it. I don't really swish it around. I just, just feel it. It is shocking that this is 118 proof. In no way does it feel 118 proof. No. I mean, it's certainly stronger than the other um, bourbons that I have here. Like, you know, on a night, I mean, you also got to consider, like, what we've got in our bunker. Hannah and Dad have more high proofs, and they're much more likely to drink higher proofs mm -hmm. than I am. Yeah, you like your... Yeah, your yeah. yeah, I like my standard old Forester and Larcenies. Like, on a day where I can just chill and relax, but I don't want anything too heavy, those will be my go-to. You're in that, that 90 to 100 proof. Yeah, 90 to 100 uh, proof range. And there's nothing wrong with that, because no. I can certainly just enjoy all the flavors without needing to get overwhelmed. This, 
I don't feel overwhelmed. I just feel that this very comforting warmth mm-hmm. in my stomach. Um, it's a very smooth, um, it's a very smooth bourbon. And one thing I also want to point out, so I tried a little something because I was getting a whole bunch of that sweetness, Hannah, that you were talking about, like with the sweet spices and mm-hmm. high spices in the front. So I took a sip of it, leaned my head back and just let it rest on the back of my tongue so I can see what kind of bitter notes I could get. Mm-hmm. And there was, there was some pepper in it. I also got um, anise seed. And I don't like anise seed. I really despise it, actually. <laughs> but this is very pleasant. It, it fits. Yeah. Like, Isn't it more fennel? Bit, huh? Isn't it more fennel than anise? They're similar in flavors. However, with anise... <sighs> I think, I think it's a bit sweeter. Yeah, whereas I, is more grainy. Yeah, I think anise has a bit more of a fresh brightness to it than fennel does. Fennel is a little bit on the deeper side. More um, savory. Yeah, going back to what Alora yeah. was saying, there, letting it go back to the back of your tongue. I'm sure we've talked about this on the podcast before. If we haven't, though, refresher that on our tongues we have taste buds that are obviously spread all around but we have taste buds that are localized in certain areas that can pick up certain flavors so at the tip of the tongue like what i was talking about originally that's where we have a lot of our sweetness centers that's where we're picking up all of that cinnamon all of that caramel um, some of our fruits the sides of our tongue, um, that's where we're picking up more of our spices, more of our saltiness, things like that. And like Alora mentioned, at the back of the tongue, that's where we're picking up our bitter notes. In the center of the tongue, it's kind of a whole smorgasbord of all of them there. Um, umami is in there, so that's more of like your meaty, deep flavors um, there as well. But just to kind of break down why I'm talking about the tip of the tongue, and while Laura's talking about the back of the tongue. I think that's important, and I think whenever you try any whiskey, any liquor, any food, do that test of moving it around your tongue and letting each part of your tongue light up to get all of the different flavors from your beverage or your food. Ted Talk over, thank you very much. Going back to the palate here. I, I, I think there's a saltiness that's growing for me. Um, the more I sip, it's making my mouth water a lot, a lot, a lot. I'm happy about that. Um, I think there's a bready element that's coming in. I think there's a little bit more fruit here as well. Um, I'm getting apples though, not like a red berry kind of fruit. It's, it's apple-y. And it's almost a sweet apple. Yeah, yeah. And almost to Like the, a baking apple. Yeah, exactly. What, what were you going to say, Laura? You got excited. I I just got a flavor. I'm very happy. It's a honey roll. It's a honey roll that you get from, like, Texas Roadhouse with the with the cinnamon butter. There's there is definitely a honey yeah. element mm-hmm. in this. I You know, I drink a lot of... Um, 
I learned this from one of my best friends, and he is a vocal major. Um, and vocalists and singers are very conscientious about taking care of their throats. So any sort of throat remedy, I learned from them. <laughs> and one of the things I really like to drink is honey lemon water. Essentially, I warm some water up, um, pour a lot of honey in it, because I, I like honey, and some lemon juice in it, and you stir it up, and that is basically a longer-lasting cough drop, but it tastes better, and it really soothes throat, so I drink a lot of that whenever it gets colder, when I need to relax for the night, because that's a natural relaxer. I, there is a honey element to it. I, I have a lot of honey, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Earlier, I'd mentioned no blossoms. I'm almost getting that honey element like orange blossom honey. Okay. There is an there is a citrus. You Both of you mentioned acidity. I'm getting orange. And I, wonder, and I wonder if why I said orange zest was because there was bias there. Because you had mentioned that one of the picks was orange curacao. Had I not heard the words orange curacao, would I, would I have chosen orange zest? I, I don't know. I kind of get the orange, too. I also wonder, like... It's like I'm, not the entire orange, not the, the orange flesh like you'd eat. <clears throat> Almost like the orange, the white part of the orange. The rind. Not quite into the rind, but you've peeled yourself an orange and you didn't get all of the white off. If, if I, you know what I mean. I think it's a little bit... Um, it's not bitter. It, I, I almost get like a little bit of grapefruitiness. I wonder like that. Like a too. little bit. Not much. But it's... It, it's coupled... Like the, the acidity from whatever citrus this is, is definitely coupled with like a salt element. How You know how when you put... When you sprinkle salt on some things, it actually just enhances the flavor mm -hmm. of the original... Food. Yeah, like french fries. Like, like french fries. Well, that's a lot of just salty goodness. But, like, <laughs> when you sprinkle salt on a citrus, you actually just enhance the citrus flavor. Yeah. You're, you're causing it to come out. It's what we do with meat, too. When you put salt on meat and you let it cook, you're coaxing the juices out to get more of that initial, original flavor. And the saltiness helps with the sweet as yeah, well. Yeah. It enhances the sweet. Yeah, and that's what I'm getting. Like the two are extremely tied together here. The salt this is and sweet. really well balanced. Yeah. I, I I almost wonder, you know, we mentioned the age of it. It's seventeen year. I wonder if some bourbon, some rye, some whiskeys in general, maybe even wines you get more flavor simply because it's a similar marinating process that you get to meat. Like, when you allow meat to marinate overnight, it's so much better than if you marinate it for just two hours. So I wonder if time has anything to do with why it doesn't feel like 120 proof and instead it feels like maybe 100. It's, you know, Hannah had mentioned smooth and you'd mentioned smooth. To me, this is soft. I don't know if I want to go soft because, like, I can get the grit 
as I'm pushing it back, um, like once the sip is gone, there is a definitive texture in my mouth that, that says I was here and not just in a finished kind of way, but in a tangible physical kind of way. For the past several weeks, I've been going through our, our bottles in the bunker and Laura, you'd mentioned that, that we like our high proof bourbons and I've been kind of yeah. cycling through that. One night I'll have a Booker's and then the next night I'll go to a, I don't know, a Elijah Craig and then another night I'll or have larceny. Uh, I'll have a Larceny barrel proof or I'll, I'll pour uh, what little we have left of uh, a barrel proof E.H. Uh, e. Taylor or yeah. something like that. Uh, last night I had some Larceny barrel proof. And I gotta say that larceny barrel proof, yes, it's a little higher proof than this, mm -hmm. but wow, it just pelted my tongue. This is not doing that. No. No, <clears throat> this is really easy to sip and I'm impressed by it. I am too. I'm gonna be sad when it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean finish this glass. For a heaven for a heaven hill product. And it's kind of the same way with a Jim Beam product, too. When you have a higher proof offering, I think that those ones, delicious though they are, and like Alora mentioned, you know, we're, we're proof hounds over here, um, they can knock your socks off, for being from the, those two distilleries, the Heaven Hill, the Jim Beam. When I have a high proof Buffalo Trace, whether it's from the E.H. Taylor line or from the Stag Junior line or just the normal Stag line, it's hot but in a more acute sense, like it dissipates really, really quickly. This, in that respect, does not behave like a standard Heaven Hill high proof offering. It isn't knocking my socks off with heat, with aggression, with anything like that. It's really approachable, which is surprising to me because an Elijah Craig barrel proof, a Larceny barrel proof, like Dad mentioned, like you got to go slow and steady with those ones. I recently had a, a Lux Row 4 grain at 115 proof. I think that's right, yeah. Something like that. It was hotter than this. And that's got wheat. And, yes. and in it too. Yeah, so it, it's really surprising. This is amazing. I'm I'm shocked. Yep. Shocked is still the go-to word here. Well, Surprise. Well, well balanced, amazing flavors. Mm -hmm. I mean, just I I just can't get past the fact that this was in barrels for 17 years, and yeah. the, and it is not woody. It doesn't feel like I'm chewing on a stick at all. Which is why I say, like, could that be just the marinating process? See, I would, I think in part, yes. But like I mentioned before with the Elijah Craig 18 year, which would be, you know, the nearest thing you could compare this guy to besides maybe a Parker's Heritage. Well, even then, I don't yeah. think you can compare those ones. So with the Elijah Craig 18 year, the proof... You know, that's been watered down so much. To 90. To 90. And it's 18 years old. This is 17. Probably on average, it's about 18. I, 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 
I don't know what they did to make this like this. Like I'm, I'm being that it's barrel proof, that it hasn't been cut with water, and that it isn't just chewing on a piece of wood. I mean, yes, marinating is a thing, but for this long, I've had offerings where it's it's too marinated, it's too drenched, and it's just like chewing on a plank of wood. Which, you know, hey, if that's your gig, that's fine, go for it. I don't really want that out of something that I'm paying this price point for. I, I don't know how they did this without it resulting in just me chewing on a piece of wood. So, so what do you guys think of the mouthfeel? I told you I think it's, it's soft. I think it, the more I have it, it's, it's pretty oily. It keeps making yeah. my mouth water. It's oily, and I'm going to go back to really saying that it's full-bodied. Like, it just encompasses everything in the palette in in one go with little effort have either of you uh ventured to kentucky chew i have not yet i'm going to do so now well i did a little bit i aggravated i poked it with the tip of my tongue i got it got it going there's a a lot of intense heat at the very beginning but that heat dissipates really fast and then all you get what's left is all those wonderful flavors we've been talking about I actually think when you do that, um, that anise that Alora was talking about, it blooms a little bit more. Um, blooms all over the tongue too, not just in the back with the with the bitter. I think that I think there you get a little bit more earth element, and what I mean by that is a little bit more of a grass grain element. Um, you just feel a little bit more connected to the ground. I don't know yeah. if and, that and makes it, sense. And I was just going to say, when you said earthiness, the first word that in my hit my head was dirty. But not dirty in the sense like mud or muck or anything like that. There's, there's a depth to this mm -hmm. that the earthiness just gives it a tremendous foundation like baked earth you know when you get really dry dusty dirt and if you get a cloud of that up in the air you just get this overwhelming sense whether you want to go taste or smell of warmth and like organic richness i don't i don't know how to explain yeah. it it really is like if you were to kick up dry baked earth dry baked dirt and and get that going that's what a kentucky chew of this is like I for me the kentucky chew i felt my teeth move <laughs> it's kind of like, like if you um were to take mouthwash that has alcohol it needs to have alcohol or you call it listerine i mean it's a cleanse it's just a cleanse. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say like the dirt feel, but I definitely did get an earthiness in this. Like to me, it's more of a dry grass, but or like yeah. a dry. And I can grass. see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you eat a 
hundred pounds of dirt in your life, or so I'm told. We might eat a little bit more since we're in Idaho, but you just don't eat it all at one time. Yeah. No, but yeah. <laughs> okay, we've been playing with this, tasting it, feeling it. For me, this finishes exactly like it smells and tastes. Yeah. It's a really consistent product start to finish. You you the fruit still not really there too much. If anything, it's kind of appley. Um you get a maybe a little bit of that citrus, a little bit of that citrus rind. It's a long-lasting finish though. Absolutely. It, it, yeah. You feel the warmth and you feel it sticking around for a hot minute. And I think a hot minute is an appropriate description of it because it is warm. I did not know that I have taste buds in my throat. But I can feel my throat tasting this as it's going down. It just, I have so much saliva in my mouth right now <laughs> that it's just amazing how much this is treating me. I mean, it could also just be the, the bitters. I mean, yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. If, I don't know if you mentioned this, but those taste buds, like, yes, they're they're centered in those areas, bitters at the back, sweet at the front. You still have sweet taste buds yeah. in the back of your yeah. tongue. They are everywhere. They're just more concentrated in those areas. So you are getting individual fireworks everywhere but you might be receiving more sweet at the front and bitter at the back. Yeah. And what's on the side. So, I mean, the tongue is a big muscle. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not just, yeah, it's not just in your, like, it goes pretty far back and it actually kind of enlarges, if I'm correct. Yeah, it's a weird-looking organ where, or a weird-looking yeah. muscle when you actually look at it in, as a whole. Yeah, it's it's much larger than you think it is. So I don't know. I mean, I know I only really am conscious of the taste buds that are visible, but you know. Yeah, there. Uh, I'll I'll tell you now. You don't got taste buds at the in your throat. Like they're not. They're not there. You're, you're, I can feel something. Okay, and my, like, and my throat is happy. Well, that's all well and good. My throat is happy. That's happy, all happy, happy. That's that's all well and good. But you, there, there's no taste buds back there. Somewhere in there, I think it's at the front with the sweet too. It may be a little bit on the sides, is where your sour are. So that's where when you get we're getting a little bit of that acidity. I don't know if I mentioned the sourness too much. I thought that the sour was in the center and the salt was on the sides. It might be a little bit there. I think this, I, I'd have to look to be absolutely sure, but I think the sour and the sweet kind of overlap-ish a little bit, but it's been a while. Well, when you get a chance. You have a sour patch. You love that. I have an article on it somewhere yeah, on, the, say, on the site, on the site <laughs> with well, an actual diagram of a tongue that shows where all of those receptors are. Just go to the website. And check it out. Whiskeyfortheages.com. It's in our Under sip. the sip page. Yeah. Go to how to taste whiskey. Look at Hannah's picture of her tongue. It's not my tongue. It's a diagram, okay? Like, let's not get weird. No, we use your tongue. No. <laughs> and then we animate. No one else. <laughs> so, Laura, you, you hit a word. 
and I and I wanted to make sure that I come back to it. You said fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a very. I like bourbons like this, and I often do refer to them as fireworks. I don't know if y'all have them in in your area. If you're not from Idaho, but in Idaho, whenever July Fourth comes around. We have a firework that's called a unicorn. It's essentially a fountain uh, firework, and it lasts for about a minute and a half. And there's so much going on with it. It's not the same show. You get sparkles, you get whistles, you get a literal fountain coming out of it. It's one of my favorite fireworks. That's often how I compare my favorite bourbons to those fireworks, because they're long-lasting, you can get multiple things with several sips or several, like, smells. It's just giving and giving. It's a giving bourbon. And it feels, it physically feels yeah. like fireworks. Yeah. This one in particular feels like it. This would be probably one of my favorites. I'd probably give it a very high rating because it fits all of my criteria. It's a long-lasting does it just keep giving and giving and giving? Does it have a lot of sweet notes? Am I overpowered by one category that I can sort it with? Like, is a bourbon too woody? Is it too fruity? This one just encompasses the entire wheel, which, by the way, you can see on our website. We use it a lot. Yep. I can probably pick out one or more elements that would fit the entire category of that wheel and be satisfied with it. And like Instead you both said, it's, on one. It, it's not fruity, but it's not woody either. So you no. can't figure out like fruit elements. Yes. Like yes. Yeah. Or Joey mentioned uh, cranberries, or I mentioned cranberries. Yeah. And I still stand by that. Yeah. I even stand by a Rainier cherry outfit. So, Alora, put your thinking cap on. I don't need an answer right now. Hannah's going to talk about her setting here in just a moment. You're our musician. Yeah. So, in a moment, we're going to ask you about what would you like to be listening to while you're drinking this. Hannah, setting. Uh, I'm, and in the meantime, I'm supposed to know where I'd want to drink this. There's a lot of places I want to drink this. I, I really like where Alora was going with the firework, um, that unicorn firework. I believe that there have been bourbons in the past where I've used a campfire element or even a firework element for my setting. I don't want to do a repeat setting by any means, but I really do feel like there's history here in this particular product. I think that there's a lot of tradition in this product. I think that there's a lot of awareness of how a whiskey, how a bourbon is supposed to be. And I love that steeped tradition. So I'm going to have to go for my setting with 4th of July. And it's just you and yours. And you're out on the asphalt. And there's just smoke heavy in the air because you and all your neighbors have been blowing up little firecrackers for the little five-year-olds down the street, bless their hearts. And you are just reveling in bratwurst 
hamburgers, mac and cheese, all of that good stuff, apple pie. And I mean, this just seemed like a celebration of bourbon to me and a celebration of history. And, and I don't want to be cheesy. Like, I really don't. And um, we'll talk about being worth the price and value in a bit, too. But it, it, this is just a celebration of bourbon. And it's a celebration of people who know what, they, what to do with bourbon and how to make a good bourbon. And I think that 4th of July on the sidewalk in the street with you and yours is where it belongs. That's where I'm going. That is where I'm going. For me, it's not a winter bourbon. No. This well, 4th of July is not in the not, winter. Right. And the reason so, why I say it's not a winter bourbon, it doesn't have that heavy spice element. It doesn't have... There's spices, yes, but it's not a heavy spice. It's not deep and dark. I think there are certain ryes that fit better for a winter bourbon. Well, midwinter night's drink. Yeah, midwinter. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But but this this is something. This is celebratory. Yeah. And I think it's meant to be celebratory. Yeah. I like my Fourth of July thing. Alora, what what was your song choice here? You're on so the I, hot seat now. <laughs> so I have two actually. And I'm going to disagree with you both. <laughs> to me, this is a wintry one. And the reason why I say it's winter is because of the chive spice and the cranberries that I found. To me, those are very reminiscent of winter holidays. However, there is a fireworks celebration sort of feeling with this. I do concede to that. Our readers read our reviews, know I choose one that is more on the classical instrumental side, and then one that's more pop culture-y, to try to see if I can get as many audience members as I can. So if I were to choose a, a classical instrumental one, my first choice, and this one actually came quite easily to me, would, it would be Antonio Vivaldi's Winter. It's one of his most famous concertos. It's a singular movement from his Four Seasons, which everyone should be familiar with. That one. Yeah. And the winter one is categorized by more winter storms. Like, he was a very visionary composer. He reflected scene. What a lot of contemporary musicians would consider to be like the hard metal of the classical era, of the Baroque era, which was in like the 1600s and 1700s. It was classified by rapid runs, very complex, like, tight chords and just very rich. It's a violin concerto. Highly recommend it. Now for my pop one, I had to think about this a little bit, but there's no other song I would really want to listen to other than Kim Namjoon's Wildflower. It's a Korean song. The artist, he's a member of the famous group called BTS. In the lyrics, he is saying a past version of himself wanted his fame, 
wanted to aspire to be this amazing artist who just kept giving like all sorts of public songs, energy, just love across the entire world, be famous. That's what he wanted to do. However, when he actually got to be this level of famous, he didn't realize the downside to it. When you are that famous, it almost feels like you have to constantly one-up yourself. You have to constantly work harder to somehow succeed over what we would call like, oh my God, this is amazing. Well, you have to keep going. You have to keep making new things. And you also have to expand the boundaries but the boundaries are so controlling so you have to work with what you've got you have to work with what you are being set with but still exceed your goals in order to be that level so it's almost kind of like a prison to him but it's still an aspiring goal he's still wanting to go for his dream he just doesn't want dream to be shackling to him how he kind of compares these goals what he calls a flower work the firework that is used in these music videos is supposed to represent falling petals it's a very very beautiful video it's a very beautiful song highly recommended but Honestly, there's so much going on with it. There's so many sides to it. I can't imagine myself not drinking this bourbon and listening to Wildflower by Kim Namjoon. And I or think, from Vivaldi. And I, I was so hoping that you were going to use Wildflower because that was the first song that came into my mind when drinking this. And I think another thing, expanding on the flower work, the idea being that a firework is a short-lived, temporary burst of color, but a flower, you know, bloomed and everything, is a much more grounded and longer-lasting thing. And the flower work is meant to be that big burst of something that is grounding, something that is permanent, something that can carry you. And I think that this bourbon is very reminiscent of that. It has a very strong foundation and it is bursting in a lot of different areas. I like the choices, Alora. Yeah, I'll post a link to these two songs and I kind of want to expand on the celebration sort of thing. Guys, you can can have fireworks, excuse me. You can have fireworks on New Year's, on New Year's Eve and still have that wintry element because i guys i'm getting the winter element here with my chai spice and my cranberry all right good for you (laughs) so i gotta ask worth the price 275 dollars that we is a big ask wow this would be the kind of thing that you would like splurge on but like have it with friends and have it with like a large gathering of people because it's like it's top tier like this wouldn't be a bourbon that you would that i would chill like i would with a larceny or an old forest or things that i can commonly find no this one would be celebratory it would be cracked open probably during christmas time or the fourth of july 
not like for relaxing for me. They're both looking at me very expectantly because they know I'm the value person and I always have something to say on it. $275 is a big ask. Not everybody has $275 lying around. I rarely, <laughs> if ever, have that money lying around. That being said, is it worth $275? Yeah. Yeah. I think it is. Like I mentioned with my setting, and I, I, I think this is a celebration of bourbon. I think this is a celebration of a honed craft, of history, of heritage, and the complexity is there, the foundation is there, the camaraderie is there, the celebration is there. I agree with Alora. this is something that you'd pull out when you have company over and it's a big to-do. It's a holiday of, you know, whether it's winter, spring, summer, fall, doesn't matter. I think this is really freaking amazing and I, I've, I, I think it's worth $275 and I, I've never said that about any product before, ever. So I remember the day I bought this. You didn't buy it, though. I did. <laughs> I definitely... I called him. I was at the liquor store, and it was sitting there with its pretty price tag of two seventy five. and I said, hold it for a second. I gotta make a phone call. <laughs> phone a friend. <laughs> and that's when I called him. And he did not understand why I wanted it. Because I, I never want the high price no. stuff. And, and it surprised me. That's why I say I remember when I bought it because I had to buy it so she would buy it. We had to go halvesies on it. We went yeah, halvesies on it because we were like two seventy five. Oh my god! It is without question the most expensive bottle that we bought, and it sat in the bunker. It sat there and it waited its turn. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, this is a nice bottle of bourbon. Certainly, I don't think I would reach out and pay Booze App's fair price or shelf price or any of the prices that are out there. And I doubt seriously if I'll ever find it on the shelf again at the 275. But wow. Of all the bourbons that we've bought, I mean, I this is so much better than the 18-year-old Elijah yeah. Craig that we had. Yeah. That it's that hard. That was probably hot one. No, no, it was really mellow. It's only 90 proof. And it that one was so smoky, woody, watery. Frankly, it was not good. I mean, it was okay. But for $150, it was appalling. Yes. Which is what we'd paid for it back yeah. then. So you'd already said this, Laura. Sad when it's gone. Yeah, I've only got, I mean, I don't have the bottle. I have four inch tall bottle. <laughs> <laughs> a quarter of it is left. You so, got to do, you gotta do a, a written review from that quarter. Yeah, yeah, because now you've promised to put links into 
Yeah, music. I know. I know. I, I I wrote. I said the damning words, so I have to do it. Yeah. So. <laughs> but you've taken lots of notes. No, I'm excited. I, I am yeah. excited to do this. This will be an exciting review. So would you get it? it. So, <laughs> so would you get it again at two seventy five? I seriously would. You know, the longer we sit here, and I haven't taken a sip for quite a while, the flavor I have in my mouth right now is nice. orange citrus. I kind of get that too, with, actually. With honey. Yeah. Yeah. Honey and orange citrus. It's I have bright. never had a honey and orange citrus flavor in my mouth after sitting for a while. It's really pleasant. It's, it's very really, really pleasant. That. I might try that for my next, like, honey water sort of thing. I'm trying to get into teas. I, I am a hardcore coffee drinker at heart. But I am actually trying to get into teas. So I might right. try that. Hannah, what would you give this for a rating? See, but now you've asked me like the difficult oh, question. Asked, yeah, like, the, uh, like, I, I, like I have maths. I Calculations. To do. We like, do calculations, or I do calculations. I do calculations as well. Like this is gonna be the, the awkward part, everybody. While I, you know, have to pull up my cheat sheet on how I do things. Insert the Jeopardy theme song at will, guys. Well, I'll be bold. Yeah, you, I'm not you, even. You I'm not the, even gonna look. first. Yeah, I'm not I'm even gonna hear what your reaction is. Like you put me on the spot for this. And very Hannah, Hannah, Hannah. What? 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 We have to. We have to guess. We have to guess. Okay. We, you, you. What? That's fair. So for those, usually I think when we do these reviews on the podcast, we don't give a rating. We, we don't actually give a rating because that's a tough thing to do, guys. Like it's not just about do I like it or do I not like it. Like there's actually a lot more that goes into it, and like Alora and I, we have full-blown like maths that we do and when we do this Laura and I we well actually we always guess each other's ratings dad I think you're gonna give it a 93 that's gonna be what what I say he gives it Laura what do you think he's gonna give it a 95 wow okay dad go ahead I know I'm getting high but I, I he has a look in his eye He's a very conservative rater, guys. Well, yeah. Like, Hannah and I... I rate Hannah the highest I'm out of, out of all I of us. I am extremely extreme. Yeah. The highest I've ever given a bourbon is a 95. It was a Booker's. I am a Booker's fanboy. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I mean, I'll just say it. I just am. I don't think I can give this a 95. However, on any given night, if I was in a celebratory mood and friends were over like the girls were suggesting, this would come out and I would share this with just about anybody. My gut tells me 94. I could easily be swayed, but I just like Booker's. I just like Booker's. I, I like the, the nutty element that I get from it, whereas I'm not getting it quite here. But this is an amazing bourbon. 
94 is not a slouch number no, at all. No, not at all, especially for you. It's hard to get him to hit a 90 mark, as you guys know from, from the site. I've done my maths. I've got a 97. Wow. So that's it. That's that's among my highest my highest rating. <laughs> All right. So like among my 97 batch, I've got some high proof hitters. Shocker. <laughs> um I've got the Booker's 2019 Country Ham. That is far and away my favorite Booker's that I've ever had to date. Border Bourbon Cask Strength that is from a distillery out of Wisconsin. 45th parallel. Hope that we get to do a little bit more of a spotlight on them in the future because they really have some outstanding product. Little Book Chapter 3, so this also falls within that, you know, Jim Beam Booker's family. Chapter 3 was The Road Home, um, also a bourbon, and then Stag Junior Batch 13, which is another high proof hitter, that time from Buffalo Trace Distillery. So, I mean, it, uh, this is just, I mean, I, I'm blown away. I really went into this going, no way is this going to be $275 worth. I refuse. <laughs> and, you know, here I am going, yep, sign me up for the next one. If and when it ever comes back and I see it again, yeah, I'm getting it again. I'd mentioned that I gave it a 94. I have a single one only at 95, and it's my Booker's Ronnie's Batch from 2022, the first batch of 2022. My 94s, I have three bourbons in that range. Another Booker's, Bardstown batch, 2021 batch three, and then No Strangers batch. Also 2021. 2021. So the last two of 2021 yeah. you were a big fan of. And then, like Hannah, that batch 13 from Stag Jr. That was a pretty good batch. That was a pretty good batch. Yep. So Laura doesn't have that full repertoire of no. a rating system or a rating comparison that like we do. I have a rating system. I, I have a rating system, gosh. I know. I'm sorry. So, but like, what, what would you, what would you rate this? Yes. Oh, right. I'm, get, I'm saying you're 96. I'm saying you're 93. So I did my maps according to my system, and I got a 95. Wow. 95. Wow. You'll see, you'll see on my reviews, I'm pretty inconsistent, and that's because I only have so few of them. But I'm happy with being the extreme reviewer who you don't really know is going to pick really low or really high. I think at one point, I mean, I probably didn't publish this review, but I think at one point I rated something in the 50s. Yeah. Just bad. Yeah. But well, I think that, I don't count that I have. But yeah. I think that's, the, that's helpful. Yeah, put something at a 96 happily. Yeah. Well, very cool. To learn more about Heaven Hill, and there are many offerings, we've mentioned several of them tonight, from the Elijah Craig Barrel Proofs, the Larson Barrel Proofs, the uh, Elijah Craig 18 year. You can check out our other podcast that we did in season one. It was our episode six where we did a whole expose on the Heaven Hill Distillery and I talked about that in great length. 
You can also go to our distillery page on our main website, whiskeyfortheages.com, and you can see all of the reviews that we have for all of the Heaven Hill products. So go ahead and do check those things out and um, enjoy some Heaven Hill products. Let's uh, look at our fortnight in whiskey, and as this is the closing episode of our second series, I thought I would prep everybody for a little bottle scavenger hunt. These are new bottles that have hit the wires. My first spotlight bottle, Heaven Hill, announces an 18-year-old bourbon for the 2024 Heritage Collection. So we just finished the 2022 Heritage Collection. They've jumped it up a year. The Heritage Collection is released each spring, as we've said. To date, the collection has focused on Heaven Hill's traditional mash bills uh, and the distillery's oldest bourbons. Last year's release was a 20-year corn whiskey. As per master distiller, now Connor Driscoll, the 2024 Heritage Collection release is an 18-year-old Kentucky Straight Bourbon. All of the barrels in this year's release were aged on the third floor of Rickhouse 1i. Rickhouse 1i is a 12-story brick building. That is building. a very large Rickhouse. Yes. That is, I, I, I don't think I've ever heard of one being that tall. I've really I've heard of nine story brick houses, but twelve, whoa. It has eighty thousand barrels aging inside of it. <laughs> I wanna go in there. Yes. Could you imagine what that smells it like? It probably smells so good. The, it probably smells really good. I just wanna go in there to be like I went in there. Yeah. <laughs> it is nearly a hundred years old. And it's particularly good for aging older whiskeys. He said the main challenge was finding well-aged stock at the peak of flavor. He did hint that the 18-year-old release is said to be remarkably soft, subtle, and gentle without any overpowering wood. Which is crazy because that's what we said about this one. Yep. That the wood wasn't overpowering at all. That's, well, I'm glad to see they're going to try to keep up with that trend. This one has the same mash bill, the 78% corn, 12% malt barley, 10% rye, which is the same as their Evan Williams, their Henry McKenna, and the Elijah Craig. This bottling comes from 133 barrels that were laid down in December 2005. So we can expect there to be far less product to go around than we did with the offering that we had tonight which yes but had here, like 180 uh, some odd yes but here's here's a little curveball after dumping the 133 barrels the initial proof was above 150. no <laughs> no no <laughs> they actually proofed it down and bottled it at 120 proof. So not too far off from the 2022 edition right. here that we had. So maybe then we will still have about the same amount of product yep. since we're cutting it. Yep, MSRP on it, $299. All right, fine, I'll bend it to 99 and I'll go ahead yep. and get it if I see it. <laughs> Our second spotlight <laughs> bottle 
They're laughing at me. Yeah. <laughs> Our second spotlight bottle. Old Forester debuts 1924. It's the newest expression in the Whiskey Rose series. <laughs> Alora's eyes just got as big as an owl's. Yep. I kid you not. It's her favorite distillery. Sheer animal is an owl. She, guys. she got so close to the camera, it was yeah. alarming. There's yep. Old Forester. Yep. I it, love Old Forester. They're reliable. That's true. Old Forester announced the newest release in its Whiskey Row series. 1924 will be an age-stated 10-year-old bourbon. It is the first time Old Forester has actually put an age statement on a bottle. Say, that's a new development. It will be released at 100 proof. 1897 is 100 proof. Is 100 proof. It will have a new mash bill. This deviates from what Old Forester has done in the past. So the Whiskey Row series, 1870 is the original batch. 1897 is the bottled and bond. 1910 is the old fine whiskey. 1920, a family favorite here. All have the traditional bourbon recipe of 72% corn, 18% rye, and 10% malt barley. 1924, 10-year-old, has a new mash bill of 79% corn, 11% rye, and 10% all barley. So it should be sweeter and less spicy. Old Forester Master Taster Melissa Rift says, Until now, we have used the same mash bill for every expression of Old Forester. We are now honored to commemorate an historical milestone with the 1924 10-year-old. It celebrates a distinguished moment in our history. Brown Foreman's founding brand is Old Forester. It was launched in 1870 by a pharmaceutical salesman, George Garvin Brown, when whiskey was an accepted medical prescription. Besides taste and value, Brown Foreman's 154-year-old history is based on consistency. In fact, they were the first bottled bourbon, and it was done for consistency. During Prohibition, hundreds of distilleries were forced to close. Old Forester couldn't produce alcohol on a regular or legal basis, but they could sell what they had in store in the warehouses as long as they had a government-issued permit. They were one of the six distilleries to get one of these permits. Hence the 1920, which is their prohibition style. Exactly. Permits allowed existing stocks to be bottled as medicine. So Old Forester began looking towards other brands to bolster their inventory. In 1924, Old Forester began acquiring barrels from shuttered distilleries. Of course, the mash bills differed from the Old Forester's product. They purchased that whiskey and bottled it as Old Forester. So, okay, now I get why they wanted to change the mash bill of this one in respect to the rest of the Whiskey Row series. They're honoring that acquisition exactly. of defunct distilleries. This is coming from the distillery. The aroma is said to be 
soft notes of fudge, cocoa, marzipan, and cured tobacco, a flavor of chocolate-covered graham cracker dusted with cinnamon and rich oak, and a finish with hints of spice and graham cracker crumbles. Again, y'all know how I feel about distilleries hyping up their own with their aroma flavor finish thing. I'll just give me the bottle. I'll figure it out for myself. Thank you, though. This release is going to be the most expensive of the bunch at an MSRP of $115. That is a major you know jump up That's from... Yeah, the, the... Even for Old Forester. Yeah, the next yep. most expensive one would be that 1920 which I think is sitting at about $70 MSRP right now. $65, $70. Somewhere yeah. around there. So we are jumping up nearly $50 hop. The, 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 I'll buy it because I like Old Forester products, but now we're jumping into a new realm of expectations. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the reasons why I like Old Forester is because it's accessible, so it has to be at that dollar value, like, it has to be worth it for mm -hmm, me. Mm -hmm. Well, every year their birthday bourbon sells out incredibly fast. It's one of the most expensive bourbons yeah. on the market. They're not strangers to that high price tag, Yeah, but uh, we'll see. We've we'll yet to be able to try the birthday bourbon. It's something that we've gone after ardently. <laughs> Every time it has come out over here in Idaho, it's just been one of those elusive unicorns that we haven't been able to find yet, yep. regretfully. So What's it called again? Birthday bourbon. It's referencing the birthday of uh, Old Forester. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So the third spotlight suggestion isn't whiskey, but it does have whiskey ties. Buffalo Trace lends its beloved bourbon flavors to six new limited edition tequilas. You can't tell people about this. <laughs> like, I'm sorry for gatekeeping everybody, but part of me wants to gatekeep. You can't know. All right, go ahead and tell the people. All right, as we all know, bourbon can... It can only be aged in new American white oak barrels. Once the distilleries finish aging their bourbons, they sell the used barrels to distilleries around the globe. Bourbon barrels are the go-to for maturing spirits, and tequila aged in bourbon barrels is nothing new. Enter Sazerac Company Brands. Corazon, Tequila, and Buffalo Trace. And Buffalo Trace does fall within that Sazerac big, 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 big global umbrella. So it's not surprising that we have the so coming of two worlds. Back in 2021, Corazon, Tequila, and Buffalo Trace wondered, what if barrels used for aging some of their most beloved bourbons were used to age high-end tequila? The 2024 Expressions del Corazon collection includes six bottles. Corazon Artisanal Small Batch Blanco Tequila. Hannah, tell everybody what Blanco means. So this is a tequila that has not had any major time aging in a barrel. So when you get it, um, Blancos are also called silver tequilas. They are essentially a clear spirit. They're not going to have any color to them, like a vodka or like a gin. So that's going to be their base spirit. 
The Blanco tequila is used in the entire collection. The second tequila is going to be the Corazon Weller 12 Añejo tequila. It's matured for 26 months in ex-Weller 12-year-old bourbon barrels. Said to be moderately sweet with notes of cooked agave, toasted vanilla, and oak. The third, Corazon French Oak Añejo tequila. Aged for 13 months in barrels formerly containing Old Charter Oak French Oak Bourbon. The resulting liquid delivers aromas of rich oak and vanilla, and it's quite smooth and lightly sweet, according to the distiller. Corazon Sazerac Rye 18 Year and Yeho Tequila also had 24 months of aging in the barrels that formerly held this case Sazerac 18. Anna, you've had some of that Sazerac 18. I, yeah, and this is a rye, so this is this, this is not a bourbon. Rye is obviously very different. Um, the Sazerac Rye 18 year is definitely a high-end product all on its own. I enjoyed it very much. I've only been able to have it in a restaurant setting. Really, really loved it. Very fresh, very bright, and still very complex. It's been a while since I've had it, so I don't want to go into like ridiculous flavor profile, but definitely something that I've always wanted to have in the collection to be able to enjoy. I'm excited that they're pairing it with a rye, this Corazon tequila. I think that's really innovative, really new. So um, we'll see. In a rye barrel. I mean, obviously, they're not mixing rye and tequila together. Sure. That would be too far. Yep. <laughs> and then bottle number five, Corazon George T. Stegg Añejo tequila. 22 months on this one, maturing in the George T. Stagg bourbon barrels. I think 2021 they did some George T. Staggs. I don't recall what year it was, but they did have a George T. Stagg blend with Corazon before. I was lucky enough to get a sample of that. It wasn't in a restaurant setting. It was just a friend who had a sample bottle that they wanted to hand out, and I got to try some of that. And it was by far the best tequila I've ever had to date. And I'm really getting into tequilas as well. And it, it was it was phenomenal, start to finish. So if I can get my hands on a bottle of this, you can bet your bottom dollar that I will be. And then bottle number six, Corazon William LaRue Weller and Yeho. 15 months aging in barrels that formerly held the William LaRue Weller bourbon. And it's supposedly going to have a balanced and dense tequila with hints of sweet undertones. Each tequila will be sold separately, featuring cork stoppers, handwritten labels, and those labels will specify the barrel, the bottle number, and the date of the bottling. The basic Artisanal Blanco will go for an MSRP of 60 bucks, and the remaining five will be priced at an MSRP of $80 each, which frankly... I'm a, I, I is totally a great price. I, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I will definitely be on the lookout for these ones if and when they ever come to our Idaho liquor stores over here. I enjoy a really good tequila. I love an Añejo tequila. These are the tequilas that have the highest amount of aging on them. Obviously, we can tell from the descriptions that Dad gave that 
the aging can vary, but they are the most aged out of the bunch. The second intermediary title would be a Reposado, which I don't want to give an exact number because I'm not a tequila expert, but they are minimal aging in a barrel. So they don't get an intense depth of color or an intense woody flavor or from whatever bottle, whatever product was in that barrel first. They don't get too much of that influence, but Reposados are still good. They're a little bit more sugary, I find, and Yejos are where it's really at, in my opinion. Availability is going to be limited on these, obviously. They will be available at select U.S. retailers, bars, and restaurants. So now, the task ahead of you all. Go out there and find yourself some bottles. We've talked about so many different products tonight. We've talked, I mean, from everything within the Heaven Hell line, and we've talked now extensively even outside of the whiskey realm and tequilas. We've talked a lot about, about a lot of different things. So I think there's a lot of things that, uh, that you can try. And as always, links to those stories, those Fortnite and Whiskey stories, and a lot of the reviews that we've had on some of those other Heaven Hill products, you can find all of those on our website. Again, that's just whiskeyfortheages.com. And you can find things under the podcast as well to catch up on the season that we've just finished. And oh my gosh, we've wrapped up our 20th show. Can you guys believe that? It's been 20 episodes. Ooh. It's been pretty spaced out, I know. We've had we've, we've been on a journey with everybody. We have finished that second series. We're looking forward to putting together the third series. We're looking forward to getting more back into reviews. We're going to be incorporating more reviews into next season as well. We really enjoy those, and we want to take you guys on the journeys with us down that line. We'd like to reiterate our gratitude, our thanks to our Episode 5 guests. Rochelle and Scott Couch. Uh, we talked with them about whiskey and liquor distribution. They were absolutely phenomenal and so knowledgeable. If you haven't listened to that episode, please do go and check that out. And then the biggest thanks absolutely to our loyal listeners. You guys have uh, really stuck by us and given this a shot. We're looking forward to the next season with you and going on more and more adventures in the whiskey world. And of course, we enjoy doing this. We have a blast. Maybe we get too winded. We look forward to talking with you all again soon. Now, all that's left for the end of this series is our ringing of the Glen Cairn. Whoop, whoop. So, cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.